Hello and welcome to the Retro Game Time Machine podcast. This week, time travelers, we're having a chat about Day of the Tentacle for the PC, and we're going back to the year 1993. At the time of recording, it is March the 25th, 2021. I am Mash the Newton, and joining me through a series of tubes is Andy the Android. Good evening. Good evening. And how are you on this fine evening? Uh, I'm I'm good. I'm good. I always say hello, so I'm going to just switch it up just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that works. It's funny. Yeah. I was thinking about switching, switching up my general response as well, and we didn't even plan that. Nope. Boom. Uh, sick minds. I mean, great minds think alike. Yeah, there um, you go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what's what's the haps? What's been yeah. going on? You know, kind of the same old thing. You know, we've uh, well passed our anniversary of shelter in place, and uh, oh yeah, that's kind of how time uh, flies. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, you know, still here, and uh, things are still going well. And you know, some it's funny. Some things are just better, and some things like aren't as good. But uh, so it's just kind of part of the system, I guess. Part of life. I feel like. Yep. So, <laughs> yep, that's, yeah, some that's definitely the way life goes. Some things get worse. Uh, how, how about you? What's the haps? Same, I guess. Um, trying to think of what's been going on that is notable. And I'm, I'm not coming up with a whole lot. Um, just surviving another day, watching, watching the show Shit's Creek. Really enjoying that. Great show. I uh, just finished season three this evening. Um, looking forward to more, but yeah, it's been a great show. Um, yeah, I don't know. Oh, I started actually. I started listening to a new podcast. Oh, did um, you? Yeah, the second player podcast. Hmm. Um, from the creator or one of the creators of the Player One podcast. Um, but it's cool because it's a podcast where he interviews hosts of other podcasts. <laughs> so you're you're familiar with the Player One podcast, like intimately familiar. Yes, right? very, so, very familiar. I've, I've listened to them for a very long time. So um, it's sort of a spinoff of sorts. Yeah, so it's something that um, CJ of the Player One podcast, it's a new, it's a new thing that he's doing, um, secondplayer.net. He's really trying to help promote uh, other podcasts and other like YouTube content creators um, and help give them a voice and a platform to just kind of tell the world, Hey, these folks are doing, doing good stuff. You should check them out. So yeah. So I've been listening. I've now heard the first three episodes and the most recent one. It's funny. It was with Greg Seward, who's also from the player one podcast. Um, but he also does a YouTube series called Generation 16, where he does a chronological progression of all of the release uh, or all of the releases of the Sega Genesis. So he's wow. been he's been at that for a number of years as well. Um, he's also the person that I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast, but I know that I talked to you about it when I watched it. Um, who did this gr- like really great video about the um, I think it's the it, it's either Panasonic or Pioneer. I think it's Pioneer Laser Active. Um, it's it's a laser disc player. It also plays laser disc games. It plays 
um, Genesis games if you have the right module for it. Uh, it's a it's a really interesting piece of technology. Um, so anyway, he he does really great stuff. Um, so yeah, that's that's something that kind of has stood out to me. I've listened to a couple of those episodes. Actually, I think I've listened to all three of them since um, since we last recorded. So nice. Yeah, that sounds really good. I'd I'd love to check that out. So um, I just now that I don't commute i just stay at home and work i i don't listen to as yeah. many podcasts so um my my podcast listening has gone way down and ironically uh, <laughs> podcast recording has gone up i don't know yes. it's, it's, a, <laughs> no, it's, an it's the same reaction there um, yeah um yeah actually kind of on that topic so when you're saying that you know you don't haven't been listening to podcasts as much i also find that i haven't either yeah um but I think a big part of that is I'm so accustomed to listening to podcasts on my phone and using the Apple Podcasts app, and mm-hmm. I don't do that on my work computer. Yeah, but I know a lot of people like pull up and listen to stuff on YouTube. Um, so part of the reason I say that is because I've been putting our old episodes on YouTube on our YouTube channel. Um, so if anyone, well. I guess if you're listening to this, you probably don't need to go back and listen to the first five episodes, but the first five episodes are up um, on our YouTube channel. And I also, oh, they're, they're remastered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Retro game time machine remastered. It's yeah. Out now. All already remastered. Um, but in all seriousness, I, I didn't realize when I listened to our first few episodes when I was editing with headphones on that there was a difference in some of the audio levels between you and me. So somebody was kind enough to point that out. Um, I now listen to everything through speakers instead of with my headphones, uh, just to make sure that the leveling is right. And who knows, hopefully it's right. (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) If it's not, let me know. Um, You can find a way to contact us on our website. Um, Anyway, I think I do have actually one more little announcement um, as I'm just kind of kind of gone off the rails here. I guess not really on the rails. It is all topical, but I just kind of started going off on a tangent. Um, the other thing that I want to announce is something that I had mentioned previously in the last episode is a thing that's going to be coming up, but I didn't have a date and I didn't know exactly yet what I was going to be doing. So what that thing is, is I am doing a fundraiser for an organization called Downtown Streets Team. Um, that I may have already mentioned, but the planned day now is April the 17th. I'm going to be doing a Twitch stream, uh, which is basically going to be a concert, but um, I'm saying concert, and you're just going to have to put air quotes around that for me, because uh, I'm going to be playing Rock Band 3, um, some expert pro drums. I'm working on creating a set list, and got to be playing for anywhere from 60 to 90 minutes at least. Um and I haven't yet decided what my donation goal is yet, but if we hit that goal, um, either before or during the stream, then I'm going to have a separate encore playlist as well. Um, you know, living living the the dream of being a fake rock star, putting on a fake concert, and uh, raising some money for charity. So should be a good time. I don't know what time it's going to be yet on that day. Yeah, that is going to be um, on the website. Uh, I will also definitely talk about it next episode because next episode is going to be recorded and released prior to um, the event. So 
Next episode will have all the details, but if you want to check out anything between now and then, um, as soon as I have everything officially decided, it is going to be on the RetroGameTimeMachine.com website. Now I've said a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, that's but uh, that sounds exciting. I think that's a really cool idea. So um, I, I hope, uh, yeah, I look forward to checking it out. So Yeah, so that'll be the first of at least a few events I would like to do this year. And just kind of spitballing. I think it'd be kind of fun to have like a, a community day to play something like Half-Life Deathmatch. Yeah. And community being like Retro Game Time Machine community, you know, friends of the show. Um, so we'll see. Again, if people like that, let us know somehow. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's that's all the stuff that I just kind of wanted to put out into the world. Um, anything else with you before we talk about the news? Uh, no, just, uh, just been streaming on Twitch also. So, oh, and I'm going to talk yes. about that later in the show. So, but that's on the, the website. Um, I've been trying to stream once a week. So last week I did Thursday, this week I did yesterday, which would have been Wednesday. Yes. Um, so, uh, anyway, that's when, um, you, you can kind of somewhere in the midweek. I haven't got the schedule quite right yet. So I'd like to do th- uh, Thursdays, but we usually record this on Thursday. So uh, anyway, I'm, I'm figuring it out. Yeah. So uh, Wednesday-ish, might stream tomorrow if there's time and I'm not too tired. Got some chores to do this weekend, so. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's spring cleaning time. Yeah, it's just, there's it's a lot of stuff to do with the house, especially when you're working from home. You know, it's just the, the house gets messier because you're always here, so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's really it. Well, one way that people could find out, even though you don't have a set schedule is if they were to go to twitch.tv slash Andy, the Android and follow. Yep. That that's the work. one. Thanks that for the be, plug. That would, that would notify people ideally. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> I say that as I didn't get and, or somehow didn't notice the notification you went live last night. So mm-hmm. I was bummed because I was sitting at my computer doing stuff. I was getting like prepping some stuff for the the charity stream and trying to make a flyer, trying to make a fancy flyer that just looked really basic. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, so yeah, I could have I could have tuned in, maybe had some inspiration for my for my flyer. But anyway, yeah, everybody, check out Andy's Twitch. And, you know, eventually mine. I don't, I don't do stuff as often, though. <laughs> um, but anyway, why don't we get into the news? We got some yeah. exciting stuff coming up. Like this game, Outriders, that's coming to Game Pass the day that it launches. The reason that is so special is because it's not a Microsoft game. Like, it's not a first-party game. It's a, it's a Square Enix game. And it looks pretty cool. I think there's a demo out right now, and we may have even talked about it. Um, I've just had a little bit of stuff going on, so I haven't downloaded this yet. Gotcha. Yeah, for some reason, I thought this was like um, Obsidian had a game in development, and then they were bought by Microsoft, and then it was coming in. So I thought that that was this game, but I'm confusing it with another game. So if I figure out what game that is. Is it like... uh, Starfield? Wait, no, that's that's Bethesda, right? Uh could could be. Yeah. I'll I'll look this up. But um 
but this is cool. I like this trend of of uh, third parties getting in on the Game Pass excitement. Yeah. Um, whether I play it day one or not, I think I want to at least download it to to show some type of download number for the excitement of uh, you know getting a getting a third party day one release on Game Pass that isn't an indie game. Um, I think it's a big deal. So I would like to continue, or I would like to support this type of behavior. <clears throat> Excuse me. What else? What else? Ooh, I saw this and I was actually surprised because I saw this before there was, before there was a positive end to this story. Um, I actually saw this via Reddit when it first came up, but uh, the GTA Online player fixes the game's terrible load times and gets $10,000. What an interesting story. <laughs> yeah, so I'm trying to remember what it was exactly that, that fixed it, but I can't wait until this is pushed out unless it's already been pushed out because maybe I'll actually play GTA Online. Um. Because the load time is just so long. Yeah. And that That is the primary thing that I think about whenever I like have the thought in passing of like, oh, maybe I should actually like play some GTA Online again. And I think, no, even, even with like a pretty decent gaming PC, it still takes forever to load in. I thought that was going to be something that um, was going to be fixed. Yeah, and it's specific to, the, to PC. So um, I don't know if the, the PC version is worse, but um, or or if uh, if it just means that okay, oh, the PC has faster PC. Um, oh, that'd be so sad. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> maybe yeah, maybe not. Well, I don't know. It says after thorough investigation, we confirm that player toast. I think it is, uh, did uh-huh. in fact reveal an aspect of the game code related to load times for the PC version of GTA Online that could be improved. So, dang. Maybe our console brethren for GTA uh, still have those really bad load times. Yeah, well, it's it's possible that maybe when it comes out on PS5, which they are, it is getting an official port, that uh, load times could be even faster, <laughs> maybe. So uh, that's right. And then I just remembered the joke: how the PS2 got three GTAs and GTA Five got three Playstations. Yep, that's it's like <laughs> it's just PlayStation giving back. Ah, uh, jeez. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, did this did this update actually come out on the sixteenth of this month? Am I late to the show? Apparently. Okay, we'll have to check it out. I'll report back. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, we let's see. So uh, EA Play um, will be available to Xbox Game Pass PC subscribers on March 18th. So this is something else that is passed. Been around for like a week by the time you're hearing this. But yeah, so PC comes to EA Play. Though I I've talked to well I've heard some murmurs and some rumors that the process can be a little funny or complicated um, because you need to download an app from EA known as EA Desktop, not, not oh, EA Play. You like this, this, they aren't just available through the Game Pass interface? I mean, the Xbox like app on PC and Game Pass? Um, so that that is 
kind of what I've what I've heard. You'll need to have the Xbox app for Windows 10, so you have to have that, and the EA Desktop app installed. Oh, and dang. then really, you, then you can sign in with the EA Desktop app using uh, your Xbox account. I think is how it, it works. Um, but maybe when you have the EA Desktop app, there's there's an instructional video. <laughs> So yeah, that sucks though. The fact that you have to make an instructional video for this, that it's not just like in the app. Oh, well, anyway, regardless, I think it's cool that you get all of these games included with the subscription cost of game pass. Yeah. Um, Though, I mean, it's, I think it's 30 bucks a year for the basic version of EA play. So it's not like crazy savings, but it's savings nonetheless. Right. Um, the main thing I'm curious about is, does this now, for the EA Play version of these games, does it support, um, like, achievements mm. and, that, and all that fun stuff? I know that some people don't care about that, and I generally don't, but, you know, if I can get them while I'm playing, might as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've been... Um... Oh, I talk about that later in I, later in the show. I'm going to talk about. It. I've been playing Minecraft, and I've been getting a lot of achievements just doing random stuff in that. Oh, it's nice. very funny because Minecraft used to have its own achievements, but yeah. I think they've been revamped and changed because uh, you know you used to get one immediately after punching your first tree. Uh, <laughs> so um, I think it was called Get Wood, actually. So maybe yeah. I understand I think, why. I think that's what it's called still for xbox i Maybe. mean you know the the xbox live achievements which that's foreshadowing yeah <laughs> um anyway um but yeah it's uh at least it's there you get some hoops to jump through but uh but ea content has arrived and um shoot i think i saw the nba 2k21 is on there too and i want to get that up and running. Not, uh, I don't think that's through EA, but it's it's a game that's on Game Pass. So. Oh yeah, NBA. Yeah, that's a it's a two K game. Yeah. Um, which oh yeah, EA did the NBA Live games. Missed those. Those were the superior basketball games for sure. <laughs> yeah, but then that. wasn't there some like type of shift where they like got worse and like two K basketball games got better or something? Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely what happened. But I I think um, that I had a lot of fun with NBA Live. Like, well, hey, uh, you can come on over. We can play NBA Live '96 on my Super Nintendo. <laughs> there we go. Set. Yeah, that's all you need. I'm trying to remember what my custom player was. I think I might have been the center at like over <laughs> seven feet tall or something ridiculous. Wow. <laughs> anyway. Yep. Um, what is the next thing? Oh, Sony reveals next-gen PlayStation VR controllers for the PlayStation 5. Gotta say, those are a huge step up from using the little wand thingies from the PS3. Um, Yeah. Yeah, they've got adaptive triggers, haptic feedback, uh, finger touch detection, all kinds of stuff. This, this, it, the way that it looks kind of reminds me of well both the oculus and the index controllers yeah 
they look good. Yeah. And this, this is cool too, because it was the way that uh, Sony had been handling uh, VR on the PlayStation five, like they didn't have any announcements and they said, basically, you know, um, if you're running the PS five version of a VR title, you have to run, you basically won't be able to do the VR aspects. You have to run the PlayStation four version. So it was kind of sounding like PlayStation was giving up. Sony was giving up on, on VR that they were stopping development, but to see this clearly they are full steam ahead on VR. Yeah. And I think this is great. Um, Yeah. Like really the, with, with how well, sales seem to be going with the Oculus stuff. Um, I'm really glad to see that there's some console support for VR as well. And with how popular the PS5 is, hopefully hopefully the cost is similar with whatever they release for the next VR headset. Because when you look at the features of these very nice looking controllers, yeah. Um, it says for tracking, the VR controller is tracked by the new VR headset through through a tracking ring across the bottom of the controller. Wow. So it sounds like it also supports inside-out tracking, at least for the, the controllers. Um, I wonder if they will have inside-out tracking from the headset as well so that you also don't need to worry about um, like having the PlayStation camera set up. For this or if you do hopefully that's not the only way that it's tracking yeah yeah so the, i mean this is this is cool and i i kind of i like the so it kind of makes sense now why sony made the announcement also the way that they did because they don't want to mix it sounds like they're going to break sort of compatibility between um playstation for VR and PlayStation five. I mean, they, they could, they could make it backwards compatible, but if you're running a PS five title, it needs to work with PS five VR, not PS four VR. So. Yeah. I really hope though, that they're able to do something to include all of the folks that, that already have the PSVR headset. Like hopefully they could still play the newer versions of some of these titles, but, but maybe like if they have to opt in and buy the, the new controllers a la carte. Yeah. Which again, I don't know how that's going to work since I just said the thing about the VR controller is tracked by the new VR headset through tracking ring. So um, that might not work. So I think I mean, not to cast shade, but I, I think it it was only a three hundred dollar setup, the the old one. So in yeah. a way, I kind of it's not the most. It probably wasn't the most future proof thing you could buy at the time. No, but yeah, I don't know. I I really don't know what's going on with the the like Oculus offerings. Um, because I know that they have a very similar price point. Yeah, but. Yeah. I mean, every now and then, though, I do love my index. I'm like, man, it would be nice to not be tethered to anything. Yep. And like be able to just like, like, oh, I want to play something in VR and just walk out into the living room, push the coffee table out of the way, and then like be set up to play. Um, Whereas now I have to like roll my chair out of the office, move like a cat bed, move my lamp. 
um, <laughs> make sure, you know, everything is good. Like feed the cord around in a good way to make sure I'm not going to step on it or trip on anything. And then like stand right in the middle of my play space so that I don't like punch my TV or punch my shelves or punch my computer. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But I mean, there is some latency involved with the wireless stuff. So yeah, it's like, there's a, there is a trade-off. Basically. There is, there is. Um, um, so you, if I, I've heard, especially if you're using Oculus in combination to a PC, uh, it's, it's your best bet is to actually plug it in. <laughs> so, Oh yeah, definitely purposes. So, well, yeah, I'm all, I also was thinking about like the Oculus quest, uh-huh. which that runs VR stuff without being connected to a PC. It just runs I off of a battery yeah. and like, you know, something, something like a smartphone basically. Um, yeah. As far as the internals go. Which sounds like a great way to play Google Earth VR. If you if that's even considered a game, I, I don't think it's. It's really. it is a virtual reality experience. It is an experience, yeah. Um, but anyway, exciting stuff. I'm really happy to see new stuff coming to VR um, because more VR hardware just means more VR software will follow as well yes. for that hardware, um, and. Yeah, I just I I I can't wait to see more high quality titles um, come into VR. And actually, very briefly, since we are talking about VR, if anyone has a VR headset and you don't know and you don't own Half Life Alex, Half Life Alex is on sale for forty percent off right now on Steam. The game came out a year ago. Um, do yourself a favor, go enjoy it. Go buy yeah. it. Um, okay. That being said, hey. This looks familiar. I feel like we already had a news item about this months ago and then it disappeared and now it's back. So That's among right. us, uh, the new map, the airship, is officially going to be released on March 31st. I've been I've I've been in this map <laughs> on my Switch. Um, because this map was available when the Switch version launched. And then yeah. it went away. Yeah, I think I think so. But when I'm when I'm looking at this map though from the trailer, it looks different. Like it doesn't look recognizable at all. So I don't know if it was a different version of it. Maybe or... because yeah, now that I'm clicking into it, this looks way different. Yeah, so Nobody they knows. they might have had to scrap that level and just like start again. Like this thing's totally broken. So. Um, yeah, and wow, there's so many more cosmetics on the little characters there. Maybe oh, maybe those are already there and I just don't know it. I want a little pet so bad. When I was playing the uh, uh recently there was they they have I don't know if it's supposed to be a head crab, but it looks like a little head crab that follows you around. And when you, when you yeah, when you die, it just like sort of sprawls out and just sits there and it's like a it's like a lost dog. It just doesn't Aww. know what to do. It's just like just sits there laying on the floor. So we're heady. Yeah. <laughs> so I might pay some money for that. <laughs> hey, I mean the game the game is so inexpensive and it's fun. It's great. You know, yeah. stuff like that when obviously like it's not the devs trying to nickel and dime people for no reason. It's like there's a fully complete game 
the the pet doesn't add anything to the experience other than you know it's cute. Yes. So sure, yeah, throw, you know, throw them a couple bucks as a as a tip. You know, look, I I I don't know. I try to look at it that way, or try to look at it like you know, I'd pay seven dollars for a pint of beer, and that pint of beer is not even going to last me an hour. <laughs> yep, that's that is that is true. So. Yeah. And I'll just literally just be pissing it away. So (laughs) (laughs) true that. Um, Yeah. All right. Let's see. Next. Next on the docket. Oh, this bummed me out. (laughs) Uh, I sent this to you the other day and I was like, oh, this sucks. So PS3, PS Vita, and PSP online stores to close this summer says a new report. Uh, I'm looking at that here on the pushsquare.com website. Um, Yeah, it's saying PS3 and PSP shops are supposedly being taken offline the 2nd of July this year. And the Vita gets a little longer uh, through the 27th of August, 2021. So it's sad because there's there's still been PS Vita games that have been being released. Oh, really? Yes. Like the Vita refuses to die. Um, not not like it's getting a ton of new releases, but it's still like every couple months there's something that's been trickling out for the Vita. So yeah. I don't know. I don't like this. I don't like when digital storefronts get shut off because that's also, I only digitally own games for the Vita, for the PS3 and for the PSP. Like that's it. They're only digital. Did the Vita use cartridges, didn't it? There weren't their little carts. Oh yeah. No, yeah. you so it, there. physical games exist for all of these platforms. Sure. Yeah. Um it's just my library on all of them have been digital. So I, I mean, I to be fair, I have a a few PS3 games that are physical. And I think I have two physical Vita games, Persona 4 and Persona 4 Dancing All Night. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, and have no no uh, physical PSP games. Gotcha. So I so I'm assuming though this isn't going to mean that you know everyone's PSP, PS3, and Vitas are turned into bricks. Um, and I'm sure that you will still be able to download stuff that you already own. It's it's just sad because I've even I've even just recently purchased one of the PS1 classics to put onto my uh my my PlayStation Vita, which hey, that was Parasite Eve. <laughs> yeah. Sounds um, familiar. <laughs> yeah. So some so this this really bums me out for some of the future games that I was hoping to be able to play on the Vita that we would maybe cover on this show. And, you know, have it focused around the PS1. So um, I do still have a PS1, but there there are some rather expensive physical copies of games that I'd prefer to not have to purchase and just be able to buy it digitally. But, yeah, well, fin- Final Fantasy VII being one of them, I remember that was a big deal when they re- released that on the PlayStation Store because copies were going for full $60 plus, you know, 90 Yeah. Um, I wonder what the price is now. I don't know if it's quite that, but it's also probably because it's not scarce because you can get it. Like, well, 
you can still get it. Yeah. Um, unless I'm sorry to whoever might be listening to this after uh, July 2nd. <laughs> if you're just finding this out now and you just bought your first PlayStation Vita, well, no, never mind. The Vita's there. So wait, I wonder how that's going to work because you can play PSP games on the Vita. So is that just going to disappear? It probably is. Mm. Hmm. Dang. I don't like it. Yeah. This is the thing that I don't like about digital storefronts and going like, and I mean, and you know, Nintendo's already done this. Nintendo did this for the, the DS and the Wii. And I'm sure they'll be doing it sooner than I would like for the Wii U, but I own hardly anything digitally on the Wii U because they closed uh, the Wii store. So, hmm. Well, I really hope that Sony doesn't do this with the PS4 games someday, since they're all in the new store with all the PS5 content. Um, ideally all of that stuff will stick around because I have a full PS4 digital library as well. Yeah. I have, I have for everything except the switch, I have embraced the all digital future. Um, I just like the fact that switch has carts. Yeah. No load times, no install, just pop it in and play just like the old days. Um, I'm going to pull up a, another story that we have actually have later. Cause we've, you know, just cause it seems like it's related, but, um, yeah. PlayStation, uh, hopeful, hopeful bright spot, hopeful bright spot year. So place, uh, PlayStation patent, uh, the PlayStation patents, the ability to add trophies to older emulated games. So they have this, this new patent. So maybe, uh, this could mean something for PlayStation now or some of these games that we're soon not going to be able to purchase. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that that to me is best case scenario is like, oh, hey, it's not on the store. But guess what? It's in PlayStation now and you can play all these classic original PlayStation games um, on PlayStation now. Because I don't think now it's been quite some time since I've used PlayStation now. Yeah but I don't think there are any PS1 games in it, or at least there, I don't remember there being any when I last played. Yeah. Um, I remember there being some PS2 games that you actually could install on your PS4. They didn't have to run in the cloud. Um, yeah. But, but I don't I remember PS1. Yeah. Games. PS2 to PS4. There's um, the Grand Theft Auto games. There's also uh, Prep the Rapper 2, mm-hmm. I think like Ape Escape 2, maybe, or unless that was a PS1 game. Um, anyway, yeah. So there's there's a few of those, but this this could be something that ends up being really cool and making everyone not upset with the other stuff. But I guess, I don't know, it still is kind of upsetting because you're still putting the requirement on new hardware to play old stuff. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, it's, I don't know. Microsoft does stuff. Well, not like this exactly, but other things where I'm like, dang it, you just did something cool. Now you're doing something that's not so cool. Um, and heck, Nintendo's guilty of that all the time. <laughs> but Gamers for have some trust. Reason, 
some reason, Nintendo gets away with it a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason gamers have trust issues. So. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, hopefully, I don't know. I, I hope that Sony does something either to add to PlayStation Now or they do something that's like the Nintendo Switch Online type service. Like if you're playing, if you're paying for PS Plus, um, like I already know that they have that instant game collection thing. So if they added the ability to play a bunch of old PS1 games, I think that would be pretty sweet. Yep, that, that totally would be pretty sweet. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, hey, there's, oh, there's this thing that I think we were talking about oh. last week where I was like, or not last week, last episode. I'm like, if they, but if they do this, this would be amazing. And it seems like that's what my, they might be trying to do. And what is this, you might be asking? So report a Nintendo Switch model to be, uh, sorry, to use upgraded NVIDIA chip with DLSS. I'm drooling. This is what I predicted and what I wanted. This Ooh. would be, oh. Again, uh, DLSS is deep learning super sampling, which I just had to look up because I forgot that. I just know DLSS means my hardware doesn't have to work as hard for things to look nice. Yeah. Um, that's, that's what it translates to. So that would be super sweet to get a new Switch revision um, with that, that full 7-inch OLED display and... Uh, and 4K support for the television. Yeah, because I mean that that's huge because you could start looking at games that might be mildly graphically demanding and they will they could surpass like PlayStation 5 visual quality, you know, as long as keep as it long on as that it's small screen. Yeah, if it can match the frame rate, that's gonna be the trick. But if it can match yeah. the frame rate, well, I mean on the TV. You know, if it's well, yeah, even DLSS. yeah, if it if they can get if they can get a constant sixty frames per second out of most games using DLSS on the Switch, yeah, that's that's a that's a game changer right there. It's huge, you know. So you don't have to have these big mammoth consoles to play really good looking games. So that, <laughs> oh man, I th- this is stacking up to be like, man, if Nintendo, when Nintendo announces, you know, just tell me the time and the place and I'll be there with my money. Like, <laughs> uh, I know like that, that would be, that'd be really exciting. I mean, generally I think everything looks nice um, outputting from my switch to my 4k TV now, but yeah. Um, but you know, there's a little bit of fuzziness sometimes. Yep. Um, so it would just be nice to have, uh, at a minimum, like crisper menus and crisper text and things like that. Um, you know, worst case scenario. But sounds like, sounds like we could be maybe getting our best case with all that DLSS and, um, you know, a lot better performance and better visuals. It's 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 like it's it's magic. <laughs> yeah. And it also says in this report that the um, they're estimating that this could cost up to three ninety nine for a switch, but yeah, I, I'd be fine with that. I would pay it um, because yeah. here's the difference: is uh, the Nintendo, you know, Switch. There, there are games that I want to play on that compared to like the Xbox Series X. Um, whereas there, it doesn't have any exclusive games that I want to play right now. But yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. 
I think <laughs> I just realized I'm like, oh yeah, I would maybe get a Switch revision before I get a quote unquote next gen console. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's true. It's just the games that to me, just the games aren't there. But as soon as there is a game that I want to play on that console, I'll I'll be in line for a yeah. PlayStation 5 or a Series X. But yep. I'm still, at least for the PS5, I'm still waiting for uh, the the hardware revision that makes it smaller. Yeah. So, so I can fit it in my office through the door. Do you know what a, a normal uh, Nintendo Switch like retails for? Like, yeah, is it two forty? Is it two ninety nine? Yeah, okay. two ninety nine, and I think it's one ninety nine for the Switch Lite. Okay, so you think maybe they dropped the price on the maybe the middle Switch to two forty nine or something like that. Or maybe there was his production. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, I don't know, actually. It's funny. Uh, it's like, you know, no Switch Pro, no Switch Pro. And then this kind of leads me to believe this would kind of be the Switch Pro, especially if they keep three, like, especially if they keep all three products. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it might have a different name. Like the the new Nintendo Switch. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I really like the, I really like the switch light. I like how it looks. It's pictured here in this article, Yeah, but um, it's a solid looking machine, but uh, it's just not the console for me. So. Yeah. Um, Let's see. What do we got next? Oh, the thing that I was alluding to in a dumb way. Um, Xbox live is not going to be called Xbox live anymore. It's getting a new name. And I think my cat wants to get out of the room. So <laughs> yeah, why don't you tell the people at home about what's happening to Xbox Live while I let my cat out? Sure. So uh, Microsoft is uh, rebranding Xbox Live to be Xbox Network, which seems pretty, I don't know, that seems pretty bland to me. I mean, it, it you have the PlayStation Network and the the Xbox network. I think Xbox live kind of served as a brand, you know, whereas Xbox network yeah. just means like, we're just going to status quo. So, um, so anyway, to me, I don't think the Xbox live title really aged all that bad, you know, like, no, but maybe, maybe it's their attempt to get away from some of the branding that has to do with gold. And I'm sorry, my cat is still, she won't leave. She's just yelling at me. <laughs> um, come on, get on my lap, dude. Anyway. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's, but like, so that, that has been their brand for so long, but yeah, sorry. Now that my thought train is caught up um, maybe, yeah, maybe they're trying to distance it like everything from gold so that they have somehow an easier time marketing the change to, um, drop gold like they wanted to before and have everything just be game pass ultimate. Uh-huh. Um, maybe, I don't know. I don't know exactly how that would work. So I'm, I'm hardcore speculating, um, as to why that would make this change after what, 19 years. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't like feel necessarily anything bad about them changing the name. I'm just, I guess, confused. Yeah. And even it's like, it doesn't even say like Xbox, 
you know, capital N network as a brand. It's like Xbox lowercase N network. It's just, <laughs> just seems kind of, I don't know. Oh yeah. It just seems it's, it, the, yeah. It doesn't have the live, like Xbox guess, live in all caps. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's to add the emphasis to Xbox. Could I don't be. Know. It's puzzling, but, but, you know, maybe a year from now, we won't even remember. Well, maybe, so, oh, this, as I'm thinking about it a little bit more, so it does seem like they're trying to unify the Xbox brand between the Xbox console and the PC. So, thinking about it, on PC, there's never... there's never the verbiage of you're connecting to Xbox Live, at least that Mm -hmm. I can recall. I could be totally wrong and just not remembering it, but I don't remember seeing anything about like, you know, logging in and connecting to the Xbox Live uh, servers or the network or whatever. Not unless you're playing on Vista and you're playing games for Windows Live. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) games for Windows Live. I remember that. Um, So, yeah, maybe... And, you know, I'm, there's probably somebody who knows that I'm wrong right now screaming at me. Um, and I'm sorry, I can't hear you, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah. So I don't know. That's, that is my only guess is maybe the, the renaming is going to make it easier to match, excuse me, match the branding everywhere, especially because there's, um, you know, even other device streaming with, um, xcloud so i don't know maybe maybe it just makes it easier to talk about the the cohesive ecosystem that flows through the xbox network or something i don't know yeah i i think it's the best theory we've got so far so well it's the only one the only one so <laughs> four went out for xbox it wins Live. by default yeah really uh sorry xbox live um, I was going to try to quote something and then drew a blank. So, um, Monster Hunter Rise is coming out tomorrow or yes. last Friday as of the lot. If you know, as of when you're listening, if you're, <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, yeah. So when you listen to this on Sunday night or Monday or whatever other day in the future, um, yeah, it came out last Friday, AKA tomorrow. Um, this is, this is something that I was joking that like, if I somehow was running a corporation that I would do crazy stuff like this a lot, where a Japanese company has made a Monster Hunter Rise launch day, an official holiday and given everybody the day off. I wonder if they're going to get it off next year. Who knows? Anyway, but uh, uh, if because it says official holiday, I don't know if it meant like annual. But anyway, this <laughs> this is this is cool because so many employees were going to take it off. The company just said, "Hey, let's just all take the day off," and I think that's pretty rad. That is rad. I like that. Um, I think that's a a fun and nice thing to do for the employees there. I wonder how big the company is. Yeah. Because if it's like 10 people and five people are like, yo, we're taking Friday off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then sure. Just shut down the whole office. But 
yeah, I wonder how big, I wonder how big the company is. That's true, but I wonder, I wonder if Monster Hunter servers are going to survive because this game's been getting a lot of hype <laughs> for some reason. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not a Monster Hunter fan. I've never played a Monster Hunter game, but I downloaded the demo today. Um, so I oh, might you've never played this. a Monster Hunter game? No. Dude, uh, World is on Game Pass. That's true. And I, true. I, I bought it before it was on Game Pass. And though I did not play it long term, I did probably dump like 20 hours into it okay. in the first weekend that I owned it. But then I don't think I went back to it. I was like, this is really fun. I think I'm done. <laughs> um, but I do that a lot. Yeah, I might. I mean, I guess World would be worth trying, I think, then. Because you can try it for free, right? So I just, I'm just, uh, I know that these series can be kind of polarizing. And sometimes when it's uh, games like that are polarizing i try and get in on it and then i don't end up playing it <laughs> i've spent money for nothing so yeah i'm gonna try the demo of monster yeah. hunter rise and i know i i downloaded it i downloaded it a couple weeks ago i just haven't fired it up yet yeah has not yet made it into what i've been playing but let's see was that it that's it that's that it. was all of our news Anything to anything to squeak in under the wire before we travel time? I didn't see anything. Big one was was Xbox Xbox Live getting a new name. So, and I mean, there's been rumors about Microsoft possibly buying Discord. Yeah, um, but those are just rumors. I got rickrolled earlier when I I saw something. It's funny enough in a Discord channel that was like like oh my god. Uh, Microsoft bought Discord for eleven point two billion. I was like, "Holy crap!" They want another billion on top of it. I clicked on the link. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Oh, that was such a good rickroll." <laughs> Just mean. <laughs> no, I, I couldn't even be mad at it. It was great. I do like um, to watch the video though. So when it does it's, come, it's on, good. It's, it's I. It's it's legitimately a good song. Yeah. Um, Anyway, okay. Well, is it time machine time? Is it time to travel time? Is it uh, any one of the time things that we say? <laughs> yeah, sounds right. <laughs> All right. Well, then let's let's step on up to that time machine and travel back in time. All right, we have arrived. Uh, it is now June twenty fifth. 1993 and hold on a second we might have heard this before but i don't quite recall um but i know this song on the radio i'm hearing uh that's the way love goes by janet jackson because this was the number one song today the 25th of june 1993 uh kim campbell became the first female prime minister of canada this month on June 25th on the 7th. Oh, hey, oh, oh, so that was the same day. It's a big day. Day of the tentacle. That's the way love goes. And the first female prime minister uh, of Canada, uh, June 7th on his 35th birthday. Wow. 35. Uh, Prince announced that he is changing his name to an unpronounceable symbol. This led to him being called the artist formerly known as Prince until the year 2000, which I believe he switched back to Prince. 
Uh, on also this month on June 11th, Jurassic Park, uh, directed by Steven Spielberg, starring Sam Neill and Jeff Goldblum. It opens and sets box office weekend records uh, at $502 million. The most popular game rentals at Blockbuster in June of 1993 are Tiny Toon Adventures 2 on the NES. Star oh, I played that. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get it from Blockbuster? Uh, no, I, I maybe, maybe. I think I played it at my neighbor's house. <laughs> uh, we also had Star Fox on the SNES was big this month. And X-Men on the Sega Genesis. Uh, a big game release this month was The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening for the Nintendo Game Boy. And in the arcades, which, man, this was a good time to be at arcades, NBA Jam, Mortal Kombat, Virtual Racing, and Street Fighter II Turbo Hyper Fighting were the kings of the arcade. So big, big titles in arcades this month. And uh, that's all I got now that we're here in 1993. Want to start us off uh, with a little bit of the history of Day of the Tentacle? Sure. Um, following a string of successful adventure games, uh, LucasArts assigned uh, Dave Grossman and Tim Schaefer to lead development of a new game. The two had previously assisted Ron Gilbert with the creation of The Secret of Monkey Island and Monkey Island 2, LeChuck's Revenge. And uh, the studio felt that Grossman and Schaefer were ready to manage a project. Uh, the company believed that the pair's humor matched well with that of Maniac Mansion and suggested working on a sequel. Uh, the two developers agreed and commenced pr- production. Gilbert and Gary Winnick, uh, the creators of Maniac Mansion, collaborated with Grossman and Schaefer uh, on the initial planning and writing. The total budget of the game was about 600000 according to Schaefer. And continuing on with more of the history, uh, in planning the plot, the four designers considered a number of concepts, eventually choosing an idea of Gilbert's about time travel that they believed was the most interesting. The four discussed what time periods to focus on, settling on the Revolutionary War and the future. The Revolutionary War offered opportunities to craft many puzzles around that period, such as changing the Constitution to affect the future. Grossman noted that uh, noted the appeal of the need to make, uh, sorry, wide-sweeping changes such as the Constitution, just to achieve a small personal goal, believing this was cap- or sorry, believing this captured the essence of adventure games. Uh, the future period allowed for them to explore the nature of cause and effect without any historical bounds. Grossman and Schaefer decided to carry over previous characters that they felt were the most entertaining. The two considered the Edison family essential and chose Bernard because of his unqualified nerdiness. <laughs> Bernard was considered uh, everyone's favorite character from Maniac Mansion and was, uh, was the clear first choice for the protagonists. The game's other protagonists, Laverne Hoagie, were based on uh, a ex-girlfriend of Grossman's and a Megadeth roadie named Tony that Schaefer had met respectively. Uh, Schaefer and Grossman planned to use a character selection system similar to the first game, but they felt it would be a complicated design process and increase the production costs. Believing that it added little to the gameplay, they removed it in early process, uh, sorry, in the process and reduced the number of player characters from six to three. 
continuing on, uh, Looney Tunes animation shorts, particularly uh, the Chuck Jones directed Rabbit of Seville. Uh, what's Opera Doc and Duck Dodgers in the 24th and a half century uh, inspired the artistic design? The cartoonish style also lent itself uh, to providing larger visible faces uh, to enable more expressive characters. The choice of art style inspired further ideas from the designers. Grossman cited cartoons like Pepe Le Pew and uh, commented that the gag involving the paint and the white stripe on uh, Penelope Pussycat inspired a puzzle in the game. I knew it. Yeah, I that was uh, (laughs) there was even a little aside to the audience about learning something about in cartoons on during that puzzle. So that was that was great. Um, The artist spent a year creating the in-game animations. The script was written in the evening when fewer people were in the office. Uh, Grossman considered it was the easiest aspect of production, but encountered difficulties when writing uh, with others around. Uh, Let's see. Day of the Tentacle was the first LucasArts adventure game to feature voice work on release. The game was not originally planned to include voice work at this time. Sorry, as at this time, the install base for CD-ROM was too low. As they neared the end of 1992, CD-ROM sales grew significantly. Day of the Tentacle was one of the first games concurrently released on CD-ROM and floppy disk. The floppy disk version was created to accommodate consumers that had yet to purchase CD-ROM drives. Just think about that. Yeah. <laughs> the CD-ROM format uh, afforded the addition uh, of audible dialogue. The capacity difference between the two formats necessitated alterations to the floppy disk version. Grossman spent uh, several weeks reducing file sizes and removing files such as the audio dialogue to fit the game onto six diskettes. Uh, as still a, hardly any space. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, I was uh, listening to the commentary and uh, someone who did the music was kind of talking about how they would bring some, you know, they would bring a piece of music that they composed in, in MIDI files uh, to the, uh, to the, basically the team. And they'd say this, this file's too big. It's 32 bits. Like not ki- not kilobits, but thirty two bits. We you, the most we can do is eighteen bits. So <laughs> they basically have to uh, trim down the music to make the music a little bit more simplistic. Uh, so less MIDI files. But I mean, think of that thirty two bits. <laughs> yeah, and six floppies. Yeah, <laughs> that's. I mean, yeah. I mean that was that was fairly normal. I can't remember how many floppies Doom was on, but it was a few. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, I was going to handle reception. Right? Yes, please okay. do. Uh, Day of the Tentacle was a moderate commercial success, according to Edge. It sold roughly eighty thousand copies by two thousand nine. That's way later. It's like twenty years almost. Uh, I know. That's. That doesn't sound like that many copies. No. Uh, Tim Schaefer saw this as an improvement over his earlier projects, the Monkey Island games, which had been commercial flops. Sad day. The game uh, was critically acclaimed. Um, Charles Ardai of Computer Gaming World uh, wrote in September 1993, calling Day of the Tentacle a sequel to Maniac Mansion is like calling the space shuttle 
<laughs> a sequel to the slingshot. Yeah, it's, 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 quite a bit different um he enjoyed the game's humor and interface and praised designers for removing uh dead end scenarios and player death oh that's i didn't realize that was a thing in event too many adventure games uh ardile allotted the voice acting writing that it would um have done the late mail block proud uh and compared to the game's humor animation camera angles uh, to Looney Tunes gems from the 40s and 50s. Uh, he concluded, I expect uh, this game will keep entertaining people for quite some time for quite some time to come. Okay. Uh, in April 1994, the magazine said that um, said of the CD version that Sanders Bernard was one of the many other inspiring performances, uh, including the that Chuck Jones would be proud. In May 1994, the magazine said of uh, one multimedia kit bundling the CD version that it packs more value into the kit than the entire software packages of some of its competitors. Uh, Sandy Peterson of, of Dragon stated that its graphics are are in a stupendous cartoony style while praising its humor and describing its sound as and music as excellent although the reviewer considered it one of the best graphic adventure games uh he noted that like lucas art's earlier loom uh it was extremely short he wrote that he felt cheated somehow when i finished the game he ended the review uh go lucasfilm do this again but do make the next game longer uh, Day of the Tentacle has been featured regularly in its, uh, sorry, regularly in lists of top games. In 1994, PC Gamer US named Day of the Tentacle the 46th best computer game ever. In June 1994, it and Gabriel Knight, Sins of the Fathers, won Computer Gaming World's Adventure Game of the Year award. The editors wrote that Day of the Tentacle's fluid animation sequences underscore a strong script. And a solid gameplay story one over, uh, sorry, story one out over technological innova- innovation in this genre. I don't know why I had such a hard time with that sentence. In 1996, the magazine ranked it as the 34th best game of all time, writing Day of the Tentacle completely blew away its ancestor Maniac Mansion with its smooth animated sequences, nifty plot, and great voiceovers. Yeah, it's almost like a spiritual successor. So. Um, I would say, but I have uh, not played many Maniac Mansion other than starting it. Yeah, this game, which spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, going into the overview, Day of the Tentacle follows uh, the point and click two dimensional adventure game formula first established by the original Maniac Mansion. Players direct controllable characters around the game by clicking with a computer mouse um, to interact with. The game world players choose from a set of nine commands arrayed on the screen, such as pick up, use, talk, uh, talk to. Um, and there's I also notice there's push or pull. Uh, yeah. And then an object in the game world. Uh, this was the last scum game uh, to use the original interface of having the bottom of the screen taken up by the verb selection and inventory. Uh, starting with the next game, 
uh, to use the scum engine, Sam and Max hit the road. Uh, the engine was modified to scroll through a more concise list of verbs with the right mouse button having the inventory on a separate screen. Which I I played through the whole game in the old graphics, and I, I kind of liked having all that stuff visible all the time. But anyway, um, Day of the Tentacle uses time travel extensively. Hey, time travel. <laughs> Um, This is fitting. Early in the game, uh, the three main protagonists, Bernard, Hoagie, and Laverne, are separated across time by the effects of a faulty time machine. The player, after completing certain puzzles, uh, can then freely switch between these characters, interacting with the game's world in the separate time periods. Certain small inventory items can be shared by placing the item into the chronojohns, modified portable toilets that (laughs) instantly transport objects to one of the other time periods, uh, while other items are shared by simply leaving uh, leaving the item in the past time period to be picked up by the main character in the future period, changes made to the past time period will affect the future. Or sorry, will affect a future one. And many of the game's puzzles are based on the effect of time travel, aging of certain items, and alterations uh, of the time stream. For example, one puzzle requires the player while in the future era. Uh, where Purple Tentacle has succeeded to send a medical chart of a tentacle back to the past, having it used as the design of the American flag, then collecting such flag in the future to be used as a tentacle disguise to allow that character to roam freely. I never would have gotten that without the guide. Um, uh, Last little blurb here. The whole... Original Maniac Mansion game can be played on a computer resembling a Commodore 64 inside of the Day of the Tentacle game. This practice has since been repeated by other game developers, but at the time Day of the Tentacles, sorry, at the time of the Day Day of the Tentacles release, it was unprecedented. Um, it's really cool. Yeah, I thought that that was a remaster thing only. Do you think that was in the original? Also, I think so. I mean, that's that's what that's what they seem to be implying. Yeah. Um, so that's that's pretty nifty. Yeah, that is pretty nifty. I mean, it's a pretty simplistic game. Um, I mean, I, I anyway, I I you know, the, some of the characters were taken, you know, like like Bernard I I believe was in the original Mini Maniac Mansion also. Yeah. But um and then actually listening to uh the commentary that's in the game and the remaster, uh there were actually originally six characters. But they um three were cut actually two were cut and then one was repurposed to be uh the the sculpting twins in the past um oh so yeah that was oh they just that was one of the only things that i figured out how to do on my own (laughs) yeah ned and jed right so (laughs) um so i i had never played this game i was quite young when this came out and i was i was playing things like reader rabbit on the windows pc <laughs> so i was not i was not ready for a game like this um so and even today the the puzzles are still i yield uh to these puzzles because they were i there are just some that i i don't think i ever would i don't know if um i think given enough time and if i was locked in a room i think i could have maybe solved 
a good amount of these puzzles, but there, there are still some, which we'll talk about probably in a little bit, but I, I have them listed here, but there are just some that I, they came to mind that I'm like, I would have never got that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely had the same experience where, yeah. well, I guess to go back, I also did not play this when this came out. Um, I, I don't even know if I had heard of it when it came out. I mean, there were other games on the PC that I heard about, but primarily my access to a computer in 1993 was what, whatever was in the computer lab at school. Yeah. And, you know, we primarily played Oregon Trail and whatever, I don't know, whatever educational games. Because um, I don't recall, I mean, my dad might have had a computer... Uh, I think he had a computer around this time or he was just about to get one. I don't know. Whenever, whenever mist was a thing is the time that I remember my dad having a computer. Um, and that might've been out already or it might not have been released quite yet. I'm, I'm fuzzy on the release date of mist, but anyway, I, I know that I had had some very limited experience playing a adventure game sometime around this era, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't this. And I completely had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it was, it was the way that I played, you know, a link to the past where I just ran around, didn't know what I was doing, but just kind of did some stuff and was like, okay, I'm done. Yep. Um, but yeah, that, I, I, I enjoyed some of these puzzles and I was able to figure out some of them, but like, as you were kind of alluding to, there were certain things that it's like, there's, there's no way I would have figured this out. Like absolutely no way. Like what I have known what to do with a spaghetti yeah. and the fork. <laughs> so there was one in particular that like, um, you know how there is fake barf like stuck to the ceiling. Yes, I did see that. I didn't even see it. I wouldn't have even. I didn't even know it was there. So, uh, so the way that I noticed that it was there was because I turned on the music uh-huh. uh, upstairs, and then I saw it like fall partway down. Oh, okay. And then when I saw that it fell partway down, it was just kind of hanging there. I don't know if the game called it out or if I put my mouse on it and it said something about like fake barf. I'm yeah. like, like it's only pointing this out to me because I need this for something. Yeah. But I have no idea what I'm going to need fake barf for. Yeah. And then also like when you first walk in, there's a dime stuck in some gum on the floor. Oh, yeah. In the mansion. Man, I tried and to it, pick that up so many times. Yeah. I tried so many. I thought, I thought I had it when I got the scalpel. I'm like, this is it. We're just going to cut the dime out of the gum. This is it. And Bernard wouldn't do it. He said, I'd probably cut myself. Oh, so like, come on, Bernard. You it's can like, do no, this. man, this would work. Yeah. This would totally work. Um, it, it would totally work, but I guess you need a crowbar to do it. Cause this is a, a cartoon game. Yeah. Um, but, and then the soap too, that was the other thing. Like I'm trying to remember where was the soap? So what you have to do is it's in the, um, Hoagie's time period during the revolutionary yeah. period. I remember you to, using it. You have to go into Washington's room and you have to call the maid, but before you call the maid, oh. you have to mess up the bed 
so that it takes longer for the maid to clean the room so you that's can right. exit the room and grab the soap from her cart. Yeah. And that's like mind blowing. And I, I feel like this is almost like the, the time period of games where you sort of relied on going to school or work and like talking to your coworkers about things. And then they yeah. might say, Oh, I got that by doing this. And then, <laughs> yeah, I kind of, I kind of miss that element of like playing games and talking about it with friends that way. Cause like, yeah, you could get your mind blown just by talking to a friend at school. Like, wait, how did you figure that out? They'd be like, so I talked to this other kid. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but that's also how, you know, we got tricked into saying that there were cheat codes for different things that never actually existed. Yep, we totally did get tricked. And for those people who made that stuff up, you know who you are. <laughs> and you're we're evil. For you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's how we got tricked into, you know, uh, playing our, our Game Boys upside down for Pokemon to catch the secret Pokemon. So, was that yeah, a thing? That was a thing. So, oh, my God. You know, actually, did you know gaming has this great video? Just go check it out. They have, like, rumors and myths <sighs> for, for these games. And they oh, talk about all cool. these things, all of them, for, like, Legend of Zelda and Pokemon and yeah, it's, it's, it's just feels validating. Like, yes, they, they heard about it too. And I believed so it funny. at one time. So, um, and then going back to the puzzles, uh, oh, the, the cat toy, I mean, that, they, one, that one was so infuriating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you have to move these two mattress. You have to, there are two beds, one squeaks and one does not. And this, yeah, the cat seems punk. Yeah. And the, the cat seems interested when you squeak the mattress. So what you have to do is you have to use one mattress on the other mattress um, to switch them around. But I love the cutscene, like where you snap down to the lower floor and they hear Hoagie basically moving the beds upstairs. Oh, yeah, it's just like a haha, like like what are, like what's he doing up there? Yeah, like what's like yeah, and they're like saying something about like the cat making that noise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, but then yeah, like that, that one was so frustrating to me because I could tell what it wanted me to do. It just uh -huh. wasn't obvious that you could swap the location of the mattresses. Yep. That was the thing that I was not getting. Yep. I was just like, okay, I can tell that when I sit on this, I distract the cat, but I cannot click fast enough to get over to get that stupid cat toy. Yeah. Like, so there's got to be something else. Like, and the thing that was really frustrating was by that point I had get like, I had discovered this and tried to solve it. And I got that far before I started using a guide. Yeah. And then after I started reading a guide, apparently I didn't read it closely enough because I saw the part where it said, sit on the squeaky bed. It distracts the cat and go pick up the toy. I didn't see a part where it probably said you need to swap the location of the mattresses by clicking on one, you know, hitting or hitting use, click on the, you know, click on one mattress, click on the other so that it swaps the location. I think I omitted that. So I felt like I was validated by it saying exactly what I thought I was already doing. So I was like, what am I doing wrong? This stupid game. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Aside from that, 
that was probably the most frustrated I got. And then the, the rest of the game was smooth sailing using the guide. Ah. I felt conflicted after I started using it because like I was sitting at 10% completion of the game after playing it for two to two and a half hours. I completed the last 90% of the game in maybe an hour and a half with using the guide. Yeah. So that's the downside of using the guide is that it really speeds you through. So it might be good, you know, if you're thinking about playing this game for the first time after listening to this, um, to maybe start without it and only pull it out when you need it, unless you just want to see the game and see the logic that the, the developers created for these puzzles. So I guess that was still really interesting and I still enjoyed that overall. Um, but yeah, it went by so fast. Like I couldn't believe how quickly I completed the game after I just was following the guide straight through. Yeah. Um, it, I, I, I kind of had a similar experience, but after finishing it with the guide and knowing the solution to everything, I kind of wanted to play it again right after knowing the solution and just see how fast I could just like yeah. breeze through it. Um, so, and that's when you were doing with the developer commentary too, right? Yeah, exactly. So that actually did force me to stop because what happens with the developer commentary is there are certain rooms that you go in and you just have to like, you hit play and you just have to stop and listen. Cause if you leave the room, it'll stop the commentary. Gotcha. So you have to just kind of wait. Um, so, but there was a little, I don't know if there was a bug or something, but when I would listen to it, um, what it should happen is it shouldn't prompt you to listen to it again, but sometimes you'll come back to that area and there'll be a new commentary. Well, some of those areas, they, I, they, they kept repeating the same one over and over. So I don't know if I maybe missed some of them. We'll sing, you know, to it all the way through, but, um, on my second playthrough though, I switched to the old graphics and just tried playing through it that way. So just so I can get an idea. Um, yeah, I, I really like I really enjoyed the old style graphics and I really yeah. enjoyed the interface as well. Um I like periodically I'd hit F1 and switch back into the new remastered graphics and they look nice. Um but I don't know, for some reason, if I have the option of like cartoon animated style graphics or pixel art, mm-hmm. nine times out of ten, I'm gonna go with pixel art. Yeah. And there's, there's something kind of funny too, is that the, the way that the, um, facial animations worked when they're talking, it seemed to be like better in sync when using the pixel graphics, when using the new graphics, it's like their mouth just seems to move wildly while they're talking. Got it. Um, and I think there was a system in the original game where they, um, on the commentary, they talked about it. You just, they, the louder the pitch was the, the, uh, animation or the character would just open their mouth more or wider when okay. that would happen. So it just seemed to be in time with the audio where it was like almost like an animation loop that plays in the new one. So gotcha. um, this is definitely interesting. Um, but they were also talking about like when they were designing the game that, you know, they, they just had, you know, there was no internet. They just had books that were laying around and one of the animation books, the, 
that they had was basically on the Looney Tunes like art style and things. Nice. So it's just kind of funny. They're just like looking at this book and then they look at their computer and they're just like, let's do this. <laughs> Cause it's all the only like source that they have access to or inspiration. So. Um, yeah, I, th- I think, I think overall, like they, they did a really great job with the art style um, and the fact, I mean, the fact that they were trying to emulate some of the stuff they saw in the Looney Tunes cartoons, like the, the animation was really good. Yeah. Um, like those, like those are some of the, the biggest strong points of this game. I mean, and, and the dialogue, I really do enjoy the, the character dialogue and, um, and I don't know, I love, I loved Hoagie. He's so goofy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And I really, the, all of the, the various time periods where, uh, was it Red Edison? Is it, wait, is his name Red? No. I, well, I, I guess, never mind. There were, there, were, there were different names, of course, because these were all different time periods, but it's basically oh, the same character. <laughs> Yeah, the characters are kind of reused in the different time periods, like which was kind of funny because yeah. 200 years in the future, it's like you have the the same family that's in 200 years in the past, basically the same exact characters. So it's like time repeats itself, which is kind of funny. But I, really, it's probably just budget and keeping the characters consistent, like for yeah. Well, and yeah, yeah, definitely. Red Edison. You're right. Oh, okay, so, it was red. Okay, that was that was the um, his, the was ancestor the we, in the okay, pre-colonial the times. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, like I I really also enjoyed all the interactions that you have with like George Washington and um, now I'm drawing a blank as to um, who else was there. Uh, Hancock, Hancock, John, Hancock. John Hancock, um, and. Dang it! Who's the one that was in the middle between them who wouldn't give up the log? Uh, that that was Hancock. Or oh no, Hancock had the blanket, right? Yeah, was he that... was the one who was too cold all the time. Yeah. Um, uh, man, Thomas Edison. I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know. But I I also thought the Ben Franklin character was really strange. Oh, it's so uh, funny. He's just like funny. a. It's just like a buffoon, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I just loved how George Washington was just so full of himself. Like he was staring out the window. And um, so Hoagie asked him like, what are you staring at? And he says, just the future of America. And it's like, oh, that couple that's out under the tree over there. He's like, no, at my reflection at me, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the future of America. And it's just, I love it. Everyone was uh, uh, doing what, um, what what whatever George Washington said. So when you give him the the flyer about the vacuum cleaner, yeah. he just proclaims that I think every American should have a bath a uh, a vacuum cleaner in their in, in their, their basement. basement. <laughs> because I said that, and he's like literally reading off a flyer that says every yeah. American should have a vacuum in their basement. So, yeah, and it's like I don't know what it is, but every American should have one. Yeah, it, was it? Was it Thomas Jefferson? Is that the other? There was, I thought it was Jefferson, Hancock, and probably. Yeah. Okay. That would make sense. Yeah. I think. Um, so, yeah. Oh, man. I just started thinking of. Uh, I love the blanket incident, too, where basically they're questioning. Uh, oh, Hobie, yeah. <laughs> like, what, what happened? What it, like, did you put this blanket up there? It's like, oh, it's like, I, no way, like, man. I yeah. Saw- 
I saw Hancock with that earlier. <laughs> and then he basically just like inches out the door. It's like, yeah. so the other thing is like, I knew that you needed to put the wine in the time capsule. Like that was oh, like very, I didn't, I didn't realize that. I was like, where the, I'm like, I haven't found vinegar anywhere. Yeah. I'm like, that's going to turn into vinegar. I don't know. I don't remember ever learning that, but I know I'm like, that makes sense in my head. If you put wine somewhere and for 200 years, it's going to turn into vinegar. There's red wine vinegar. Yeah, exactly. So um, just the thing is, I didn't know where to find the time capsule. And then for some reason, 200 years in the future, the tentacle people have a, a shrine for the founding fathers somewhere. And it has the time capsule on the shelf. Like, yeah. So, and you need a can opener. Yes. You need a can. And I think the can opener. So each character had like a default item on them for Laverne. It was her scalpel for Bernard. It was a textbook. And for Hoagie, it was a can opener for some reason. (laughs) So, uh, that, that was kind of a funny thing. Um, I, I do think that it was a really interesting mechanic, um, sending the items through the porta potty time machine. The it's totally like a nod to like, you know, Dr. Who or Bill and Ted or something, right. With the, like, instead of it being uh, a, a phone booth, it was a, it was a toilet, yeah. portable toilet, but, but yeah, no, it was really interesting. Um, and then as soon as you put something in the toilet, either time period, someone could pick that item up, but it made the puzzle yeah. so much harder. So yeah, and that was the thing where it was like, you know, when I when I got to the point where I actually needed to be doing some of that stuff, where it was like, you know, throw this in the chronojohn, so and then go, and then Hoagie can, or it actually it said like send this to Hoagie, and I'm like, how do I send it directly just to a person? Like all I can do yeah. is just drop it in there. Like is it just chance of where it's gonna go? And it's like no. It's just, it's going to be there in any time period that you're going to go to, to retrieve it. So um, there were a couple of things like that, where I felt like I was overthinking what to do because there were so, I don't know. It feels like there's so many intense and I guess non-intuitive puzzles to solve that I'm even overthinking some of the easier pieces to them. Cause yeah. I'm like, well, it can't just be that. Cause like, Almost nothing feels like it's that easy in this, which is also not true. Some of them, some, like some of the puzzles felt like, oh, I definitely know what to do with that. Um, But I think overall, the game does a good job with calling out what the items are um, without like putting arrows pointing to things. Um, as far as like the, you know, the different items that you can pick up and the different things that you can interact with. <clears throat> there were plenty of times that just by clicking use or push or pull or some of the different things, which actually a big part of the reason why I really enjoyed the old graphics is I had all my options laid out in front of me all the time. Yeah. But I just like, I didn't have to think too hard about what are the things that I can try with this? It's like, oh, this would make sense for me to try to push it or to pull it or to use or to talk to or whatever. Um, the fact that it was just sitting there all the time just made it like, cool. That's it's less of a barrier for me to think, <laughs> like to think through 
what should be the thing that I try to do. And I honestly, I don't even know how to interact with the game in the like remake version of it. So how do you, how do you even pull up your options? Cause I noticed that when I switched and all my options went away, I didn't know what to do anymore. Yeah. So you, you can click on things. I think it's either, um, let's see, got my mouse. I think if you right click on things, it gives you a option wheel that you can, okay. um, do um, that sounds familiar because I think yeah. I think I started the game mm-hmm. in the remastered graphics, and then as soon as I figured out that you can switch back and forth, which by the way, I I love that games that are remasters do that, where you can switch back and forth, especially if it's like you can switch back and forth on the fly. Yeah, um, it's so situational, that. right? Because yeah. you're like, oh, I really love to see how the comparison is here. Yeah. Um. So or you know, or I only want to play in the old graphics or I only, you just don't lose, you know? Yeah. Did, did you notice the, uh, Thomas Jefferson, uh, character was like, uh, he was sort of like reused as the, like, um, like the gag salesman. It was basically the same character, like with the same voice. Like it, I just, I thought that was another just kind of, Oh, huh. Yeah, another like I don't thing think of, I noticed that. I, I think they were just saying if Thomas Jefferson existed today, he would be like a a, a, gag, a novelty gift gag salesman. But uh, I thought that was just kind of funny. They just sort of poke yeah. fun at some of these characters. Um, but uh, so one one thing I I um, so I did notice in the commentary, and um, so when I was playing the game, there were some kind of weird things that sort of like happened like that where um as the commentary pointed out there was no esrb when this existed so this could have been a friendly friendly game but there were just some things like uh like the cigar salesman you know just having you know smoking being a thing which would probably have been acceptable if you were using looney tunes as an example yeah Um, i mean with the way that just like blows up i mean yeah, yeah. blows up his head. It's 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 as family friendly as Looney Tunes from yeah. even longer ago. And then was. even taking the hamster and putting him in the ice, and then eventually microwaving him in the future. And <laughs> I I, I love the aside that Laverne says is like, yeah, children who do this in the 20th century get taken away from their parents and adopted. <laughs> so yeah. don't. This is only okay because I'm doing this in the 21st century. So or, is is that an original part of the game? Uh, I, I, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> Some like, I could see why they would maybe add that now uh-huh. if that wasn't already in the 1993 release. Yeah. I, I think that was in the original game. Okay. So it's just kind of, that's even better. Yeah. I just think that's kind of funny. It's just, it's kind of like, Ooh, they're going over some interesting territory here, but you know, there wasn't an ESRB rating at this time. So Yeah. That wasn't until Night Trap. Yeah. And, you know, games like NARC. And the it's Arcades. basically shortly after, probably like 95, 96, maybe that, that was when that, when that was happening. It, Dare I say 97? I mean, it might have even been like, hell, it could have been happening in 93 or 94 because uh, uh, one of the big things that they were making a fuss about was Night Trap for the Sega CD. And 95 is when the Saturn released. 
So Sega CD was definitely prior to that. It looks like it was formed in 94. That's what Wikipedia tells me. So, yeah, I mean, Wikipedia is is the source of all knowledge. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it's never wrong. Never. You know, that, that's the thing. Wikipedia, they, they say like, oh, you can't trust Wikipedia because it's crowdsourced. But I'm like, it's like, it's not um, like Urban Dictionary crowdsourced. No. <laughs> like, that, that's no. awful. It, it does um, get checked and it does get fixed when there's yes. incorrect information. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what else stood out from the game. Hmm. I mean, it, it's, I know that you really like Hoagie. I really like Laverne as a character just because I think she's just so weird. No, just, she's so spaced out and weird. Yeah, it's just like her voice is just like, I love to just hear her voice because it's just so like, it's just strange. But it's it's funny that she was based off of an ex-girlfriend because I mean, like that that's probably a very interesting person. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and... Um, I also think it's really funny that once she had her uh, tentacle costume on based mm-hmm. off of the flag, like all of the tentacles that are like, Hey, good looking. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's exactly. like it, it, it takes that cartoon joke of the most obvious non-disguise as a disguise. And it's really working. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, like hook, line, and sinker, they are all falling for the fact that she is a tentacle. And it's like, it's like, come on, there's a whole head full of hair sticking out of the like the, the mouth or one of the eyes of this tentacle costume and yep. long arms and long legs. Like it's it's so funny. She runs around, she doesn't hop around like all slimy ten- tentacles do. You know, they sort of hop like yeah. on a pogo stick around so oh and like all uh so actually the in the in the future the human judging stuff and Mm -hmm. like the humans that are there they're all dressed with the weird beehive wigs yeah dresses like regardless of gender this is just how tentacles dressed humans as like a caricature of 1950s or 60s women, I guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of got like it was like a dog show, almost like yeah, analogy it is, out of it. Yeah, but yeah, it basically that's that's exactly what it was, but for humans because humans are weird, vile pets, apparently. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and you know, it it almost seems like cut content, but they it seemed like they were talking about like tentacles that were human sympathizers yeah in the game so like they were they were talking a lot about that but it never really materialized so it was just sort of hinting that there are sympathizers for humans in the future yeah i think when when you're when you're what when you're faking being sick and you go see the doctor Mm -hmm. is that when no there's like a later. Scene. You're, yeah, you're already wearing your tentacle costume. Yeah, and then somebody's like, "Yeah, what are you? What are those human sympathizers?" Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I I feel like there was you know maybe if there if that content was still there it would be like in, there would be some sort of revolution they'd be inciting or something but um didn't it didn't happen 
man, there was something else that I just had a second ago that I totally forgot. Um, dang. I don't know, but the game is goofy. Yeah, um, it really and is. I think that's I think that's what I appreciate uh, appreciate the most about it is just it's really goofy and wacky, and each one of the characters is just kind of funny in their own way. Um, yeah, I think they they really did a great job with the the humor, and I mean, and I feel like the animation really adds a lot to that as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think so. Um, and, you know, some of the animation, it was like, you know, uh, Monkey Island was like really detailed. So they, they liked having these simpler graphics cause they just translated to the, you know, the, the, um, like the, what, what did you call it? The bit art, the yeah, um, pixel art, the pixel art graphics. Yeah. Really well. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's all I have on day of the tentacle. I had, I had fun with it overall. Um, yeah, same. Um, I, I definitely think for most people, they, they would benefit from using a guide at some point, at least at the points they get stuck. Um, but I don't know, like I, I've, I've seen periodically, uh, lately seeing people play adventure games on Twitch uh-huh. and they're not using guides and they're not accepting help from chat where I'm just like, man, yeah, it looks really hard. And like, yes. you're, you've been stuck on the same thing since I saw you streaming this a couple days ago. <laughs> yeah, that, that is really, really hard. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I try and play games that, that don't, you know, aren't easily spoiled on stream myself. Um, just because I don't want to yell at chat for backseating or it's, you know, maybe it's a game I've played before and just say, yeah, yeah you know, go, go for it. Backseat all you want. Um, cause someone's going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I think, well, I guess, I guess I'm probably done with everything I have to say. It sucks. I just, I know that there's something that I had and it was related to one of the characters cause I had their voice in my head. Hmm. Uh, oh well let's let's not linger if it comes up again yeah just blurt it out when we're when we're back to 2021 um okay well i guess i guess that concludes our discussion of day of the tentacle here in 1993 i guess it's time we should get back in that time machine and head back to 2021 are you ready I'm ready. All right, let's get on in. All right, we have arrived. It again is March the 25th, 2021. Uh, Had quite a lovely time in 1993. What about you? Yeah. Yeah, Janet Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) That is the way that love goes. Um, all right, well, I guess we should talk about the things that we've been playing. Um, what? How, how do you want to do this? How do you want to start this? You can kick us off and I can go through some things quickly. Sure. Um, so I finally rolled credits on Cyberpunk 2077. Um, I did it, I think, very shortly after we finished recording, or at least like maybe, I don't know, a day or two after we recorded the last episode. And 
I really enjoyed it. Um, it's it's not my game of the year or anything, um, but gotta say I I really had a good time with it. Um, I'm a big Keanu Reeves fan in general, so I just enjoyed having Keanu in my game and voice act. You know, one of the main characters, um, and I don't know. I there there were some there were some things that. I didn't realize some of the possible ramifications, even though it really what it wasn't that severe. There were certain dialogue options that I picked just because, like, oh, I'm a corpo, and there's a corpo specific dialogue option. So I picked it. And I'm like, oh wait, but that's actually directly like in opposition of what I of, of my own morals. <laughs> so yeah. I felt kind of conflicted. So I had to like try to break. I don't know, through through a certain part of the end or like I have to break my own feelings and say, like, no, this is okay. This is this character. This is not a representation of me. This yeah. is this character doing this thing. Um but yeah, I mean overall I still I ha- overall I had a great time with Cyberpunk. Um it's I don't know. It's I know it's been getting a lot of flack for stuff, but I also know that it is like it is their own fault for getting some of some of the flack about this stuff um but i'd say you know if if people are curious about it give it another six months or so like let let a couple more patches come out um and pick it up and play it then because already performance wise it runs a lot better on my computer than it did right when it came out um and i'm sure that that's going to continue to be the case even without changing any hardware um only only get further optimized and better um and though want to throw out there that when you do complete the game it lets you keep all of the levels lets you keep all of the progress that you made because basically once you get it to a certain point it's like hey this is your point of no return once you start this you can't go back and do any of the other side quests until this is done Mm. So whatever levels you gain, whatever items you gain, um, you get to keep all of that, but it basically takes you to the point of right before you start that ending sequence. So it's cool because it apparently gives you a couple extra items. I don't know what those items are. I haven't gone back to look, Uh, but it throws some items in your inventory and it gives you the opportunity to still continue playing the game so you can do all of the side quests because there are so many of them. Yeah. Um, and I played the game for 60-something hours total um, before I came to the end of it. But also probably the first 12 was in a different playthrough um, where I felt like I was kind of getting through the story faster than I wanted to. Hit the brakes, started over, uh, created a new character and a new, I guess, type. Like I chose Corpo for my second character. Um, so I don't know. There, there's a chance that I could still go back and try out the, I think it's Nomad. Because Nomad is what I have not tried yet. Mm. Um, and I know that in each one of them, there's certain missions that you don't see unless you are that particular um I want to say race because that's usually what it means or usually that's what it is in in a game like this is like class. It's, it's not even a class. It's just your background. Like it's Uh, just your story background basically. That's different. 
Um, and it gives you different dialogue options, different um, different relationships with people. Okay. Uh, so anyway, it's fun, but you know, not uh, not God's gift to gamers or whatever people expected it to be. <laughs> yeah, it, it, when you're talking about the ending stuff, it reminded me of Red Dead Redemption. How like when you beat the game, something very significant happens, but it's still like they painstakingly worked something in so that you could continue to do the side quests even at the end of that game. So that's what's, um, so they have to sub in another character with, so they, they basically allow you to uh, use the voice lines of uh, that, that character, like, like basically in parallel recorded their voice lines for a lot of the side quests, basically. So that's what incredible, incredible thing for them to do. But, (laughs) um, want me to do another? Uh, yeah. All right. And then I'll be ready. Yeah. So I also completed another game that I started quite some time ago. A game called Arcade Spirits. I was playing that on the Nintendo Switch. Um, it's a visual novel. I don't actually think I've ever played another visual novel. I could almost consider Persona 4 one, but there's, you know, combat in that too. Yeah. Um, this has no combat, um, but it's basically like you're, uh, you know, you're, you're the character that you create. Um you're looking for a job, your smartphone, who is sentient, but like also not Skynet, thankfully, um, tells you, hey, my like my prediction is you're going to absolutely love this job. And the job is working in this arcade. And you're like, no, I'm like, what do you mean? Come on, I'm an adult. I need to make more money than just working in this arcade. And, uh, you know, you ultimately follow the advice of your phone. <laughs> of Siri basically. Uh, and this game is called Iris, but yeah, I mean, that's just kind of how it starts off. You develop different types of relationships, with the folks that work there. Um, and there are certain things that happen in the story that like I was expecting like roll credits, like, yeah. And then it took a totally different turn for a while and seemed like the game was actually, I think at that point when I thought the game was done, it was only like halfway through and then more stuff continued to happen. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, I think it was great. Uh, if, if you're out there listening to this and you're like, Hey, I really like arcades and I'm kind of interested in, you know, what a, a visual novel would have to offer. Um, definitely worth checking out. Or even if you just kind of want to see what's up with the visual novel. Um. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I like those. I played uh, some Telltale games that are kind of, you know, I mean, maybe they have more gameplay involved than a visual novel, but definitely it, Telltale games. Actually, it feels like they have way more gameplay. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. Yeah. No, I mean, really, it's like visual. Like at least this game, it's a bunch of dialogue you choose responses to stuff which can slightly alter things that are happening in the story. Gotcha. Um, but it really, it's, it is a choose your own adventure text game. Basically it really just does feel like reading a book. Okay. Where you get to make some choices. So 
Yeah. So it was, it was great. Yeah. That, uh, you know, um, I, okay. Then one, another one I was playing was uh Neocab. Neocab. Did you play a little bit of that also? And uh, you're no. a cab driver in the future, almost like cyberpunk. I think, yeah, I think I've seen that game, Yeah, but I have not played it. Choosing dialogue options for the response, but uh, yeah. anyway, um, cool. And did, did you notice that Iris is an anagram of Siri? No, that's too funny. Yeah, when you said Iris, uh, I was like, wait a minute. Uh, I, I, okay, anyway. So. Oh, that's, Wow. I did not con- I did not make that connection. So thank you. That's funny. Okay. Um, so I I've been playing some Super Smash Brothers Ultimate online uh, with a streamer. Also the Ox King. Go check him out. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, that's I've mostly been losing. So, um, but I'm still trying. I we we came very close. We uh, I I played uh, against my opponent um, who was Bowser, and I played. Uh, Pikachu, and it was very, very close. I thought I was going to get my first win on stream, but I lost the last. It was we were both basically one shot, so it was whoever gotcha. got the next hit won. So, do you, uh, do you guys do like three stock or like one on one? One on one. I'm sorry, three stock. Yeah, one of you on three stock. Do you play with items or no? No, no items. Dang. Yeah. There's people taking Smash Bros so seriously. <laughs> yeah, it's well, it's also interesting because we do play doubles sometimes, oh, okay. and uh, but doubles friendly fire is on, so <laughs> it's like you you can't be too crazy with your hits just because of just abuse, basically, like two characters teaming up to, you know, do these impossible combinations without fear yeah. of hitting each other, so. Um, so I, I kind of learned to respect that. Um, but then also same streamer, uh, we've been playing some Mario Kart eight. Actually, I don't know if I played in the last couple of weeks, we actually did a little work event where we played some Mario Kart eight and yes, I, I sadly was not present. Yeah. And I, I got, um, I, I, I beat the second competitor by one coin out of a series of like, I don't know, nine or 10 races. So it was, uh, it was very validating and I'm, I'm now <laughs> walking around with my chest out saying I'm the Mario Kart King. So <laughs> it was just so good because the first few races I was doing terrible. Like I was yeah. like almost last place. So felt very good to come back from that. Um, nice. But uh, our hiatus is over. We played some Overwatch together. Yeah. This we last did. weekend. So yeah, it was fun. It's nice to dust off those Overwatch skills after uh, a couple of weeks of not playing. I'm kind of ashamed to say I didn't try any new characters, but I don't know if there's too many new characters in support or in tank that no, I haven't really. tried. So. Yeah, I don't think there's been a new character in a while for either of those. I mean, even for DPS, I think it's been a while. Yeah. Like, I got to play DPS once... I think like, I, I don't, and I don't think it was the time that you and I played. It was the time that I briefly played um, with somebody else that I hadn't played anything online with in quite some time. Um, and he and I were catching up a little bit and I, I randomly got one DPS queue um, and we won that match. That was great. I don't think we've been taking advantage of our flex coupons, right? For priority queuing. Oh yeah, we haven't been. So that's something to think about. I'm still like maxed out on that. I keep forgetting I can do that. 
<laughs> yeah, I wonder if we could just both queue as GPS. Priority queue. Go. Oh, we could. <laughs> yeah, we could drag our team down. Yes. I don't know. I don't know. You're pretty okay. good, Farah. Yeah, I was gonna say periodically I'm I, I do okay with Farah if I don't have anybody who's a really good counter to Farah. Yeah. Um, but if I do, then lately I've been trying out um Tracer as my alternate DPS character. And I'm liking Tracer. Uh yeah. she 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 does way more DPS than I expected. Um which I don't know why that would be, since she is a DPS character. But anyway. I'm remembering I beat myself up a lot when I die as Zenyatta, but really if our, if our team isn't doing good and we're not killing them, it's, it's I'm probably just going to die just because I'm extremely soft. So yeah. Just and thinking. yeah. And you're not, you know, definitely nowhere near the mobility that mercy has. Yeah. Oh God. That's the only, it's the only way that like, I don't die all the time as support is the fact that I can like fly halfway across the map to somebody. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh, it's one of my favorite things about Mercy. Yeah. Fly out. Heck yeah. Um, I'm going to take one more. I've been playing sure, some yeah. Minecraft also. Um, so, and I'm, I'm working on a villager farm. And uh, so that's, that's been kind of exciting. I've been kind of doing my, my, my thing there, but the thing is I, <laughs> I keep spawning what's called nitwits, which are basically like, it's, it's really funny the the, but base, these are villagers, that can, villager labor camp. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're it's, yeah, it's kind of bad, but they're, anyway. they're just, they're just annoying squid words. Um, it's actually really common in Minecraft culture for people just to kill the villagers just because they don't like them for some reason. But I do try and give them a good life. I like them to, <laughs> you know, have a nice home and a bed to sleep in and things like that. That's I don't just burn funny. them at the stake on site. So, um, yeah, but they're really valuable for trading and you can sort of like take things that are almost useless, like wheat and crops and trade them for emeralds, which can be traded back to other villagers for like really valuable gear. Um, okay. So, but, uh, you need to get villagers, you need to level them up by trading with them. And you also need to get villagers that can actually take a profession. And then you need to like, sort of give them, uh, you need to place an item so that they'll near them. So they'll actually take this profession. But, um, the whole thing is I keep spawning these nitwits and it's supposed to be like a 10% chance. And nitwits are funny because uh, you can't trade with them and they spend most of their days wandering, but they also, um, they go to sleep later than other villagers and they sleep in longer. (laughs) (laughs) So it just like reminds me of just, it's almost like a commentary on stupid people like that are like not productive or lazy or something like that. Or I, (laughs) It's just funny to me. So I don't know what I'll do with the nitwits. I might just like set them free and just let them. <laughs> I mean, let they them can be, wander the countryside. Yeah. I mean, I guess they could be used for other things. You could like actually set up literally on YouTube. People make these giant machines that literally just breed villagers and spit them out into their like cells. And then when you don't want them anymore, you can press a button and they die. And it's like, jeez, oh, yeah, it's kind of awful. So I, I don't want to do that to them. So uh, uh, I like villager farm. Yes. Yes. The villager farm. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, 
Um, let's see. I can I can talk about a couple other things I've been playing. Haven't haven't been doing a lot of deep gameplay stuff. Uh, really, Cyberpunk has been the deepest video gamiest thing that I've done. Story driven um, content. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's a better way to say it. Because um, there's no story for Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo on the Aww. Sega Saturn. Um, at least not that I am aware of. Um, but it is a very fun uh, versus style puzzle game. Um, so, yeah, been playing a bit of that. Um, if you aren't, you know, folks aren't familiar with it, you, I don't know, it's in, in some ways it reminds me of something like Dr. Mario, but better. Mm. Um, and I don't know, I'm sure that anyone that's played like a puzzle type of game on their phone where you're matching colors and getting rid of colors and I don't know, Pe- people have played something very similar, I'm sure. Um, but it's a lot of fun. It's, uh, I also have nostalgia for this game. It's funny, not, not specifically for this version, but I played it a lot with a, um, former roommate and good friend of mine, um, for the Xbox 360 version, which it's on, you know, it's on backwards compatibility. So that's a thing. Uh, also been playing some rock band three, uh, on my Xbox 360, playing some more of those, those drums. I'm getting getting warmed up trying to put together my set list for what I'm going to be playing for the, um, you know, the streaming event that's going to be going on on the 17th of April. Um, yeah, just kind of practicing my way through some songs and, um, I don't know. I love, I love rock band. I love it so much. I actually just tweeted at rock band recently to be like, Please give us some good news that you're going to make some type of adapter so that we can use our old rock band hardware. Like, well, at least specifically, I have the um, the Ion drum rocker. Mm. Um, there is an adapter that exists to make it compatible with the Xbox One and with the Xbox Series S and X, but that adapter is being sold by scalpers now at over a thousand dollars. A thousand. A thousand dollars for this like four inch long USB dongle. Wow. Literally a thousand dollars is what somebody's trying to sell it for now. And I've been seeing that it's been selling for six, seven, eight hundred dollars, um, which is insane. So anyway, I'm I'm still stuck in the past <laughs> <laughs> playing on the three six my rock band three. Um yeah, so I, I just, I hope that they'll do some type of new adapter, even if they do a MIDI adapter, um, so that you could do output from an, like an like an electric drum kit. Because cool, it would then be cheaper for me to just buy a drum brain for an electric kit and then do MIDI out to that adapter than paying $1,000 plus yeah. for this tiny... This tiny little piece of USB and cable. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, that's that's kind of incredible. Um, so I guess so a little stream roundup. Then you you guys can actually, you know, if you can't catch my stream, if the time period the time zone doesn't work for you, there are videos on my Twitch stream of me playing these games. So if you'd like to see those, you totally can. And um, so I've been playing more Pikmin two. 
been getting into more dungeons and this last one, this last dungeon I uh, got into, I actually couldn't finish it because I just didn't have enough Pikmin to take on the boss at the end. Oh, that sucks. So I just like, I'm going to go back and just like rush through the dungeon and uh, with more, with reinforcements basically. But yeah, it was just kind of a bummer because the, it was, you know, most, of these dungeons you go through are usually four or five levels. This one had like seven or eight levels and some of them had some difficult fights in it. And, uh, and honestly, actually what really screwed me over is there's just one enemy that shoots rocks out and I wasn't paying attention and I turned around and there was a boulder hurtling towards all my Pikmin and literally no. in one swoop, just like 40 of them died, like oh just my right God, before my that's eyes. Frustrating. So, yeah. So, I mean, I was able to make it, kind of work to get to the end of the dungeon. So at least I could save my progress. Um, but yeah, I have to go back and do that again. Um, but I've also been doing something interesting and that's the, um, so I've been watching a lot of Ocarina of Time, both other streamers, uh, shout outs to minister gold, um, for playing Ocarina of Time for the first time. And, uh, also, um, I've been watching speed runs for Ocarina of Time and Ocarina of Time Master Quest. I'm like, I want to play some Ocarina of Time. And there are some ROM hacks out there so I could have brand new experiences. So uh, I kind of delved into the gray area that is uh, ROM hacks. And I, I like to call it community-driven content. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, I, think that it's, I think that stuff's really cool. It's really interesting. And some of these games like uh, a missing link, which I'm playing is like almost, I mean, it's like pushing the engine, <laughs> like some of the stuff that they're doing, like um, just, you know, having attacks that come from the sword and like, like a, it shoots a beam, like in the old school Zeldas when you're at full health. Yeah. So, um, so that's really cool. And some kind of new sort of, item item, new mechanics with different items so like for example like the bunny hood i just got in it um not only does it make you run faster but you actually it has like this moon physics like jump when you jump on things jump off of things so actually like clear a fair distance when you're jumping so anyway it's just uh it's really interesting so theoretically this stuff should also all of this should work on a flashcard too, right? It does. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, no, though uh, a, a a missing link. It's it's funny. Um, even though it is a hack of Ocarina of Time and it uses a lot of assets from Majora's Mask, you do need to have the um, expansion pack. So, okay. like when I'm running the emulator, it'll actually give you an error if you only have the four megabytes of RAM uh, allocated. That's so, funny. Yeah. It has it has actually a little screen. It says, "Look, you need the expansion pack." Like yeah. a little drawing with Link and climbing on the expansion pack. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it, it it'll work on a flashcard, and then I've it'll even work on modded Wii's using like Virtual Console also. So, uh, if you can get the ROM into your Wii, that's a uh, nice. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's you know it's it's actually funny if you uh, for Master Quest. Um, which was a spinoff of Ocarina of Time that was only released on the GameCube. It yeah. came on a disc yep. as a pre-order bonus for Wind Waker. Um, so 
if you pulled the Master Quest ROM off the disc and put it on a flash card, it would run on an N64. I mean, that's that's, a, that's awesome. That's like mind blowing. Like it really is like literally N64 game, self contained. That's um, that's cool. I didn't realize that. No, I. That's the thing is I don't know if Master Quest released on the N64 in Japan. I feel like it was, but maybe not. Maybe not know. at all. So uh, yeah, I have no idea. But it's it was actually uh, Master Quest and the you know GameCube version of Ocarina of Time were even modified so that the button prompts um, instead of having like a I believe it's a uh, gr- um, so A would be green and mm-hmm. B would be blue. Your B button's actually red on a GameCube controller, so it's red instead of blue. Oh yeah. So it's just like little subtle touches like that. As it's kind of interesting about those those games. So. Yeah, that'd be cool to check out. Yeah, that's really it. I have another one that's um, another Zelda ROM hack that, so I guess the, you know, a missing link is super short and it's set between the events of Ocarina of Time and uh, Majora's Mask, but it it is very polished, but very, very short. Whereas I have another one that's less polished, but is actually claims to be a full length game. So yeah. Check that one after. I forgot what the name was. I'm sorry. I think it was um uh it was something like uh, uh master link or something like that. I forgot what it was. No problem. I'll Google um, it. But yeah. If, uh, <laughs> well, while you look that up, I'll get through the last bit of, of what I've been doing. Um been playing a a, a smattering of uh, some Sega Saturn shmups. Um, so played, you know, just a little bit of Galactic Attack, a bit of Dodonpachi, a bit of Batsugan. Um, things things that have been in my rotation previously, though, out of all of those, I've definitely played Dodonpachi the most um, in, you know, in, in total time. Um, but in the past couple of weeks, I've probably put a little bit more time into Batsugan than anything else. Um, but they're all fun. They're all, you know, a style of game that I really enjoy. Um, and been, been into my Saturn a bit lately. Um, and then, you know, speaking of the Saturn and games that I've been playing on it and, oh, Hey, maybe even games that we might be focusing on for the next episode, uh, been playing a bit of a game called Guardian Heroes on the Sega Saturn. Um, super fun beat 'em up, but it's also kind of like an RPG because you level up and you also like there's actually a story, and the different dialogue options you choose change what happens in the game and it changes the ending. Um, so anyway, it's, it's a pretty unique and exciting take on a beat-em-up and it's also available for $5 on, uh, Xbox live, <laughs> Xbox network. Um, so yeah, it's available there as well. So it's a good game. I'm looking forward to us playing it and hopefully having an opportunity to play it together co-op via the Xbox 360 version. And 
since it is part of backwards compatibility, which I believe it became, or I think it joined that program back in 2016, um, it is also available on the Xbox One and the Xbox Series consoles, the X and S. Um, yeah, so that's what we're going to be doing next time. Um, before we skedaddle on out of the show, you got anything else? Do you have the answer as to what that that ROM hack is? Yeah, it's called uh, Legend of Zelda Master of Time. The Master of Time. And it's it's really cool what they have in these games. They're kind of like, they have their own splash screen, like their own start screen with a, with a logo and everything. It's, it's really impressive what they're able to do with uh, just by hacking the game. But... Uh, very, very unstable. Like not, oh, I shouldn't say that. It, it, it is not, um, the game hasn't been heavily debugged. So I did experience a sure. crash when I was yeah. on stream, but. Um, well, cool. I look forward to checking that out actually. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm bummed that I missed my notification last night. Yeah. Um, all, all good. Yeah. But um, I, you know, this is going to be my first Saturn game that we're going to be playing. So. This is <laughs> going to be kind of a unique experience for me. Wait, have you never played anything from the Saturn? I don't think I've played a Saturn game, no. <sighs> Closest thing was probably Knuckles Chaotix, but that was a 32X. It wasn't even a Saturn, so <laughs> it's not a thing. Uh, um, so... Huh. Uh, Panzer Dragoon was on the Saturn, right? Yes. Yeah. So I didn't play that either. So <laughs> that was a tease, but <laughs> I'm like, I'm just like, trying hey, to think this of is Saturn, Saturn games. game, right? Yeah. I didn't I, that. Yeah. <laughs> I just thinking of Saturn games that I know exist. So gotcha. Well, I think I think I'm I'm all tapped out of stuff. What about you? Yeah, that's all I got. Alrighty then, we will be doing the outro now uh again we're going to be played in guardian heroes from the sega saturn uh again you can if you're interested and you want to follow along you can pick that up for five bucks on the xbox network i'm trying to get used to saying that um yeah so thanks for listening to the show we know there are a lot of podcast options out there heck i was talking about a couple of them uh at the beginning of the show um, so we really appreciate you taking the time to put our words into your ears. It really does mean a lot to us. Uh, you can also check out our website at www.retrogametimemachine.com. I don't know. You might need the www. You might not. Your mileage may vary. Who knows? You can both. you can search for it on Google. You'll find it. It should be the top result. Um, I don't know about Bing. It's probably there. Man, I can't believe I haven't binged us yet. Um, but you can also subscribe to this podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Overcast, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, and heck, even now on YouTube, because that stuff is there. Um, who knows? We'll put more stuff there one day. Uh, come join us next time when we time travel back to 1996. And again, we'll be talking about Guardian Heroes for the Sega Saturn. Bye for now. See you.